Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where you learn how to create, launch, and promote your own online courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and today I have an amazing guest who I am surprised I haven't had on the show yet, Thomas George, who is, a, I would say, an online friend now because we've known each other for a few years. He teaches on Udemy. He does a lot of audio courses, audio-related courses, and so we're going to geek out in this episode about audio production how course creators can improve their audio, talking about all the tools, techniques, tips and tricks that Thomas has for us. Uh, Jeremy Deegan is my co-host and he's going to try to join the call and the show in the middle. He's having a little bit of technical difficulties while he's in the middle of a move. But anyways, Thomas, welcome to the show. Happy to have you here. Hey, Phil. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, I'm excited to geek out with you. Talk about audio. You can talk about microphones, all that good stuff. Cool. Well, how about we start with a little bit of background and first talk about where you're from, how you got into audio stuff, and then uh, worked your way towards uh, how you started teaching online courses. Yeah, so I'm from uh, the UK, a town called Leeds, which is in the north of England. And uh, I primarily teach uh, music production and uh, more specifically electronic music production. So I teach people how to make drum beats, how to mix their music, uh, how to make songs, songwriting, that kind of stuff. Um, and audio just kind of goes hand in hand with music production because you have to know how microphones work. You're in a recording studio, you have to set the mics properly, you have to get a really good sound, you have to work with a lot of singers. So a lot of music producers generally, if they're good music producers, know a lot about audio as well. And yeah, with online courses, I kind of picked up audio really fast because it's similar to singing speaking into a microphone and just a lot of things like which microphones audio interfaces room treatment that kind of stuff i've really geeked out on the last few years cool well yeah i'm excited i hope that we can kind of name some specific tools and equipment you recommend maybe on some different budget levels um, and also what apps and things you're using i know before this call you were mentioning right now you have this some somewhat new setup where <laughs> all of the basic editing and uh, app just all the effects and everything you're applying to your audio is being done automatically so even what you're hearing right now on this the show the audio from Thomas is basically being edited live to and compressed live to get to sound amazing and so uh maybe we can talk a little bit about that too but did you have a, how did you get into music production? Did you go to school for it? Did you just have a passion for it, learn it on your own or what? Uh, both. So I've been doing music production for quite a long time since I was a, a kid, really. Uh, playing in bands, doing a lot of music, being the one who wants to record the music because we couldn't afford to go into a studio. Just building from there, working with a lot of different people over the years. Uh, I did a degree and a master's degree in music production as well. Um, just years and years of doing it and just really enjoying, uh, yeah, nerding out on uh, the kind of technical side of uh, music, really. Cool. And how did you take that knowledge that you learned in school and from just, you know, pa your passion and just doing things on your own? And how did you, when did you start t teaching your online courses and how did you get into that? Yeah, so I started teaching um, about three years ago online full time. Um, I guess I just kind of uh, started putting videos on YouTube and then I remember one of my videos got a few thousand views from quite a few years ago and I was like, well, maybe a, 
maybe people like my YouTube videos. So I started exploring more, doing more YouTube videos, putting stuff out there, doing a lot of stuff on this piece of software called Logic Pro. Um, and then eventually, um, one of my friends told me about something called Udemy. And I made this course. I spent six months making it. And by the end of the six months, I realized it wasn't good enough. And I deleted, all, deleted it all and redid it again um, with a load of different feedback from all different peers that I knew. I redid it again in a few months. And yeah, a lot of trial and error, um, a lot of ma making mistakes. But I think now I've got a pretty good setup. But when I first started, oh, it was a... Uh, it was tricky talking in, in front of a microphone, but now I'm pretty comfortable, but I'm, I'm sure you you can relate to this, Phil. When you first start and you look back at your early videos, it's yeah, it can be pretty cringy. But yeah, yeah just to be honest, just, just a lot of trial and error and enjoying the process, having fun and um, teaching stuff that I'm really passionate about, really. If I tried to do a course on handbag design, it would be a terrible course because it's not what I'm passionate about. But when it's about music, when it's about kind of sound design, synthesis, audio, that kind of stuff, I really enjoy it. Nice. And and what has your online courses, what have they allowed you to do? Are you, is, are you doing this full-time now? Are you working on the side? Do you have a full-time job? Uh, what, why has teaching online been so good for you right now? I guess a lot of it is freedom. It allows you to kind of wake up when you want, work on the certain projects you want to work with, choose who you want to work with, have your own. I guess I do work a lot, but I kind of work on my own terms, which is why I really like any kind of entrepreneurship. Uh, but yeah, I do this full time. I make online courses about music production and audio full time. Nice. Nice. Very cool. And I know we have we actually launched a course last in the past year about audio production for video creators. I'm just looking at it now. I got to look into it because some of our reviews were a little bit lower than I expected. So I'm going to go in there after this call and see what I can do to uh, make some improvements to that class. But you have over 26 classes now. Um, and just quickly, kind of what, what has your process been for coming up with course ideas? Um, I think there might be other people interested in it that do music production, audio production, what have you found to be like successful in terms of topics or maybe things that didn't work out so well? Well, for me, I just kind of thought, what do I already know? Mm -hmm. So for me, I can play the keyboard. I can use several different pieces of software. Um, I can compose music. And also know from studying music for many different years at uh, certain universities, I know a lot of contacts who are really good at certain areas of music production as well. So I can collaborate with certain people who might know slightly more about me than I do, maybe say songwriting or mixing. So you can collaborate and make a good course together. But yes, yeah, it really just started out, what do I know? And I've been using Logic Pro for over 10 years, which is this piece of uh, music production software. And I've spent so many hours just messing around, having fun, making music. And so my first course was on this piece of software because I know pretty much everything there is to know about the software and luckily um by a just chance really there's a huge demand for that on udemy that i didn't really know when i first started and then i do all, i also use some other pieces of software like ableton live um fl studio that kind of thing and um a lot of it is songwriting and composing uh, because if you want to be an electronic music producer it's not only about learning the software you have to know how to write music you have to know how to collaborate you have to know a lot of music theory so there's a lot of skills involved in electronic music production and i guess yeah i just thought to myself what do i know what am i good at what do i enjoy doing and that's kind of where i started out 
Yeah, that's pretty incredible, though, that your first course, I'm just looking at all your courses, seems to be your most successful one. Have you made updates to that course since you launched oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, 30 hour, 38 hours long now. Um, I think it started out about six hours. So I've been building it. Obviously, these pieces of software, as you probably know, doing a Adobe courses, Phil, they always get updated. So you yeah. always have to keep on top of them. Cool. Nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, with my Adobe classes, it's a balance of do I do a complete overhaul of the course or do I just add some updated lectures about the new features? And that's been a struggle, but it does. Uh, it, some of my courses now they're four or five years old and even though to me it's like well it's 90 percent the same to someone who's brand new like even if the interface just looks slightly different i get complaints and students wanting an updated version of the course uh, but what i have found which i think you you probably i don't know if you experimented with this but you're doing it the right way which is updating your existing course itself rather than launching a brand new version of the course. I think that, um, you know, you have the existing student base, the existing reviews, the ranking of your course. And that for now, for me, for now on Udemy is the way to go with your um, flagship courses. So while well, very cool, very cool stuff. I'm actually, uh, Jeremy is ready to jump on the call. So I'm going to add him on the call now. Uh, and then let's jump into some of the equipment and tips and things that you have for course creators. So to start off, what um, can you kind of lay out a basic beginner starter? Like if, if someone has a really low budget, what do they need to get started with uh, bringing with audio and just maybe creating courses in general? Do you need an area that is, well, optimal well maybe maybe you can't have that but you need an area in your house that sounds okay you can have all the fancy microphones you can have all the fancy plugins and all that kind of stuff but you need to record in an area that's not too echoey ideally a room that's an odd shape so all the reflections don't bounce back evenly so you don't get any kind of slap back delay so you want to find an area that's a room that isn't too big maybe not too small that has soft surfaces maybe like carpets rugs um, you can get like soft panels for the wall and not like a big hall with um, a big shiny floor or any windows. Don't record in the conservatory. So that's the first thing. Find somewhere you can record. Got it. Yeah, I think that's a great, great advice. I mean, I know people have I've heard people recording in their even in their closets because for audio with their clothes and everything, if you're not worried too much about the video, the audio quality is probably going to be pretty pretty good in a in a closet that's you know all the uh, echo and reverb is going to be removed from from that. So, do you have? I know you mentioned sound, you know, getting some panels, acoustic panels. Do you have any that you specifically recommend? Because I can go on Amazon and search for sound panels or acoustic panels, but are all of those kind of the same? Are they different or are there ones you recommend? Uh, you kind of want to avoid the kind of spongy ones you see that are in a bubble. They mm -hmm. don't really treat the room that well. Um, you want to get the big 
kind of the big panels, the big thick ones. Mm-hmm. And generally, like anything, the more you pay, the better you get. So ideally, you want to go to like a music production shop mm-hmm. or a specialist for acoustic panels and just go and talk to them. Um, ideally, measure your room and maybe draw a little map, little dimensions of your room and show them this or even get a professional to come around and look at your room. A lot of places will give you a free consultation and just say, this is my budget. This is what I want to do uh, rather than just trying to do it yourself because unless you're a real expert at sound, you might get it wrong. For me, a lot of it's trial and error. I've tried several different um, places just to put this microphone to see the best place. And it's a combination, really. You don't want a place that's too small. I wouldn't want to be cooped up in a closet all day long. Yeah. So, But I don't want to be recording in, say, my living room that's got a big hard surface because that sounds terrible. So you want to find... Um, yeah, even, a, even your bedroom can be great because there's a mattress there. It can mm-hmm. soak up a lot of the sound. But I would say kind of avoid those cheap, like, $5 ones you get off eBay, the spongy ones. Yeah. They're not so good. You want to get the big, solid panels. And you want to get bass traps. So these are the big, thick ones you put in the corners of the room. Mm. So they kind of, uh, yeah, trap the bass. I mean, that's something that I'm, I struggle with because I am in a garage. And so I've added things like, rugs on the floor, couch, but I still have reverb. And uh, part of it's me wanting the space to be a nice livable space that I can invite friends over to. And it kind of plays that role as well. So I don't really want to set it up with a ton of soundproofing that to me, I guess, takes away from it looking cool and things like that. But then part of me is like, oh, maybe I should just like invest in the sound panels and make it an actual studio uh, because right now I'm always constantly moving things around. My audio in all my courses probably sounds a little bit different, um, but I'm doing my best. And Jeremy, Jeremy's on the call now. Welcome welcome to the show. Um, we, we were able to figure out our technical difficulties and you hopped on right before we really started nerding out on audio gear. So Jeremy, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? Good, good. We, you are moving. And so speaking of audio setups, I mean, what are you, what are you using right now to, for this call right now? Uh, because it's kind of, I'm assuming a, a little bit of a travel setup. Yeah, that's a, that's what I have because, um, as, as, uh, Phil said, I'm going to be traveling with my wife across the country and, uh, I obviously can't take my whole studio with me. So uh, I have right now, I just have the ATR2100 Audio-Technica USB microphone just plugged in. It's quick. It's simple. It sounds pretty decent. And um, so I'm taking that with me and I'm taking, you know, my DSLR camera. And then I have a a lavalier microphone that I'm going to take whenever I'm doing any recording uh, outside or if I'm, you know, inside, but I I can't use a dynamic microphone. That's a Tascam uh, DR10L. Uh, it's a pretty cool lavalier microphone that has the recorder in the bass, so I can stick that in my pocket and record straight to the lavalier mic. Cool. That was the Tascam. What was it? DL. I think it's a D D D D R ten L. Okay. D R. We'll include that in the show notes. This is going to yeah. be episode ninety five, so you can find all that and links to Thomas's website, YouTube channel, Udemy page, and everything at onlinecoursemasters.com slash ninety five. This episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by the Online Course Masters Academy, the one and only place you need to become an online course master yourself. 
with over two dozen courses that tackle every aspect of running a successful online course business, a private community of students like you, and bonuses like live office hours and webinar trainings, we've built the Online Course Masters Academy for anyone creating their very first online course and for anyone more advanced looking to increase their business and brand. Visit onlinecoursemasters.com slash academy to join today. So speaking of microphones, Thomas, take us through a couple of your favorite options. Again, maybe your basic beginner budget mic, all the way up to if budget wasn't a question, what would you suggest? Yeah, so starting off with a beginner microphone, well, it's not just about the microphone. You also need something called an audio interface. So this is a analog to digital converter. So you basically want to convert the audio from the microphone so you can put it in the computer. So you do need, uh, unless you're using a USB microphone, which I don't really recommend for a few reasons. Uh, One is you're kind of limited. Um, If you get an audio interface, you can try different mics, you can swap it around. And they just don't sound as good as having an actual separate device for this. So I do recommend getting an audio interface first. There's ones like the uh, Scarlett, the Focusrite Scarlett 2i2, which is great. I use the Focusrite Claret, which is kind of the deluxe version that has these really cool microphone preamps. So the signal you get from a microphone isn't actually that loud. So you need uh, a preamp, which your audio interface will have. So it's basically an amplifier that makes the signal louder. Um, I like the Claret, but if you're on the budget, the Focusrite Scarlett, you can get the Solo, which is one input, or the 2i2, which is two inputs, um, and the Claret, which is a similar kind of deluxe thing. And the microphone I recommend is a Shure SM58. Sure. So this is kind of the stand okay. SM58. You'll recognize it like nine times out of 10. This is what people use on stage. And the reason for that is it's a dynamic microphone. It doesn't really pick up that much because on stage, it's people bashing away in the drums and stuff and you want to hear the singer. So it only picks up kind of a small pattern around the front. So if you're like Jeremy and you're traveling and you can't really control the room, if you have a microphone like the uh, SM58, it's only going to pick up a small pattern around it. Got and it. it's really durable as well. You get certain types of microphones called a ribbon microphone, which are really fragile, and if you drop it, it breaks. But the 58, you've probably seen people on um, YouTube or whatever do that mic drop. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, that is a Shure SM58, so it can withstand dropping mics. And I'm pretty clumsy. I drop microphones all the time. And uh, the 58, you can't really go wrong. And it's got like a little shield on it as well. So you may have heard of a pop shield. So it's like that little, normally that black thing, mm-hmm. a bit of tight material that goes in front of the microphone. The SM58 has kind of a built-in pop shield as well. I was so going to ask it, uh, about that. Yeah. So you don't need that on top of... You can, it, you can have it, but it eliminates some of those plosive sounds. So that is one for beginners. It's around about $100. Uh, sounds great. People have been using that for so many years. Yeah. And it's so versatile. You could, If you're doing a speech, if you're doing like a YouTube out on the street style video, if you're doing a tutorial, the 58 is really good. Awesome. Do you, you mentioned the USB mics not being your favorite. I mean, what is the reason for that? Um, other than maybe the quality of the microphone isn't as good, but is there, are there other reasons? Just the, the signal isn't as strong. You're not getting all the frequencies. I mean, I don't know all the technical jargon that might come into play, but what, what's the reason? Well, you're trying to cram it all into one small microphone really if you're having a separate box you've got kind of uh, more space to work um it's just specifically designed 
has, well, it has a few devices that converts the analog to digital. Mm -hmm. It has a microphone preamp and it also converts the digital signal to analog. So you can plug your headphones in or plug in speakers. Um, they're just designed a lot better of audio, like camera gear or anything. The more you pay, generally, the better you get. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just sounds a lot better and it, you can mix it up. You can put different microphones in, you can plug different microphones into different audio interfaces. If you're just starting out, um, yeah, if you're just starting out, I recommend getting a um, Shure SM58 with a Focusrite Solo okay. for online course creators. That's now, I, had a, I had a question for you. Now, being a dynamic microphone, you generally have to have these a little closer to you. Uh, yes. If someone's doing like a, a talking head video or they're doing something where they're moving around a lot and they're, you know, have to use their hands, uh, what kind of microphone would you recommend? Um, I don't really think there's a problem having the microphone in shot, <laughs> to be honest. I think it's better to have high quality audio than to have low quality audio and not have the mic in shot. There is little sneaky tricks that I do. So I've got a green screen, a pop-up green screen, uh, the Elgato, can't remember the exact model, Elgato green screen. And so I have my microphone maybe like a feet away from, a foot away from me. And then I add a mask in either Premiere Pro or Final Cut Pro and put it around me so you can't see the microphone. So certain tricks like that, if you're quite creative, so you can still have the high quality dynamic mic next to you, but you can still get out a shot. Of course, the shotgun microphones and stuff, but you have to be really careful with the positioning of that. You have to be really careful with the room as well. Yeah, it's, but what if you have to stand like, you know, three, four feet away from the mic, like you can't get it like close to you or um, like if like, like say I'm doing a baking course. And, oh, okay. uh, you know, the, the, the equipment is on the other side of the table and I'm over here by gotcha. the oven and I'm moving back and forth and baking, like, you, you know, having a dynamic microphone. I know if you're not uh, directly in front of it, you can lose a lot of that audio. Yeah. Well, if you've got a, um, a professional sound operator, you can get them to hold the boom for you, <laughs> <laughs> but most of us don't have that. Um, so yeah, you want, you want a lav mic, like one of those clip on mics. Rode have just come out with, um, a new one that I've got that's pretty small. The new wireless lav. Nice. And I use then, my, then, I use my then, eight year old as my boom operator. Yeah, yeah. If you can do that, <laughs> that can, uh, build up their muscles. Yeah. Do you have so? If you, if you tried holding one of them, it's really hard. Yeah. 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 Is that the Rode Link lav set, or is it something different? Yeah, they, they, they've brought out a new one that's way smaller. Okay. A lot of the YouTubers are using it because it actually has a built-in mic, so you can clip it on your top, or you can attach um, one of those cabled lav mics to it as well. Nice. And for the sake of the argument, do you have a shotgun microphone that you like or recommend? Um, I've got one of those, uh, what's it called? The Rode NTGs. Yeah. I've got one of them. Okay. Um, I don't use it that much now and again. Yeah. Not really. Um, the microphone I'm speaking into right now, uh, this one costs a bit more, but this is a really popular one on radio shows. This is called the Electro Voice RE20. So it's kind of the classic radio mic. The other classic mic people use is a short sm7b mm -hmm. that one's really popular on podcasts so if you watch like joe rogan or something like that they normally use this uh short sm7b it doesn't quite sound as good as the microphone i'm speaking into right now which is electro voice r20 but it looks cooler it's it's all black it's got that foam on the top so if you're doing videos maybe the short sm7b could because this one i've got now i know this is audio recording but it doesn't look the coolest but it sounds great mm -hmm. Uh, for me, being a kind of audio nerd, I don't care if it doesn't look that cool. I want one to sound great. But the SM7B, it looks cool as well. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. if you're doing video, or especially if you're doing podcasts, because for some reason this is now the podcast mic, the Shure SM7B is 
pretty cool. Nice. And again, we're going to include uh, the list of all this cool equipment yeah. uh, in the show notes for people who are following along. So, okay, backing up, because I've always just used my Zoom H6 recorder as my audio interface that plugs in via USB. Uh, so I can put my XLR mic into that. What's the, what's the argument for like after this? I'm like I'm gonna go on Amazon and get one of the focus rights. Um, what? Why should I get that? And then, I mean, really, what what do I do with that? I just it's kind of the same thing. I plug in my microphone. I set the gain. Is there anything else that I'm doing with that interface? The thing the thing about those Zoom's portable recorders. I've got one. I've got the Zoom H5. It's okay if you want to go out and you want to record stuff on the fly, mm-hmm. but the preamp in that isn't very good. Yeah. Like my travel audio interface is called the Apogee Duet, um, and that, the preamps in that are incredible. So um, that one's really, really good if you just want high gain, really cool sounding audio because the focus rights, the only thing about that is they don't give you that much gain. So you do have to do a lot of mixing. Mm-hmm. So if you're prepared to do a lot of mixing and go into like uh, Adobe Audition or Logic Pro or something and mix in there, I recommend getting the Claret or the Scarlet. But if you want one where it kind of sounds really good already, you don't have to mix much and you're doing a lot of live streams, the Apogee do an amazing one called the Duet and also the One. Apogee so Phil, I probably recommend you duet. get the Apogee Duet. Personally. Okay, so that is... Okay, that looks pretty cool. So that looks like it's kind of electric or like it's it just has one knob on it. I'm looking at it right now. So Yeah. So is there a digital stuff that's happening to it as well? You have a little app, but you okay. it can all be ran just through the the box. You don't have to open the app. Okay. Um cool. it depends how how serious or how nerdy you want to take this, but for Phil and Jeremy, you guys obviously create online courses full time. Yeah. Um, something like this will dramatically improve your audio. But how do how do I get my XLR mic into that though? It doesn't. It look... has these little dongles. Oh, okay. So it has these break breakout cables, and yeah. you plug into the dongles. Okay, I see, I see, I see. Okay. And cool. how many inputs can that take? The one has one input, and the Duet has two. Oh, okay, gotcha. And so, are you applying things like compression or playing with like the actual audio, the bass, treble, all that through that? apogee device or do you recommend doing that post-production this the apogee duet does have a little app that comes with it where you can apply a limiter mm-hmm. so a limiter basically stops your audio for going too loud and clipping you might hear that distorting sound when someone speaks really loud yeah um but for example now you won't be able to hear my audio distort because i've got a limiter applied so you really want the most important thing for audio uh, if you're just starting out, is make sure it doesn't distort, make sure it doesn't clip. So it's a balance of having it loud but not clipping. But if you yeah. have a limiter on it, it stops it going past zero dB. So it stops you having that digital distortion, which ruins audio. If you record too quiet, you can always turn it up. If you record too loud, you just ruin the audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a huge tip. And do a test have someone else listen into your audio do a test recording because i have gotten back from recording a ton of videos making that mistake of my dials being a little bit too loud and then just everything being a little bit distorted which is so frustrating and it just takes a little bit of extra effort up front to to make sure because sometimes even what i find is that me and when i work with other people 
on mic, you know, we say, oh, do a sound test and, you know, you dial in your, your audio. But then when it comes to actually recording, everyone speaks a little bit louder. And so even me, when I'm doing my test and then when I actually go in, I have more energy and it distorts. And so having something that has a better limiter like that sounds like a great option for me. Um, cool, man. Well, this is great so far. What uh, so we talked about mics, we talked about room treatment, we talked about interfaces. I guess what's next? Is it in the computer plugins? What what else do we have to consider? We've got a couple options really. One is you can get hardware gear. So if you're going to be stood in one place all the time, you're not going to travel, you can get some cool like vocal processing units, like actually physical ones. Um, I use one called the DBX um, 286S. So this, you've probably seen it before. It's like it has gain, it's got a compressor, it's got a de-esser, which gets rid of the, rid of the harsh sounds. Um, it's got, uh, what else has it got? A compressor, it's got EQ and output gain. So this is kind of all like outboard or you can mix in the box is which what I do most of the time. So you have some kind of software because I like to be portable. I want to be able to make course wherever, wherever I am. Mm-hmm. As long as you're in a, an Airbnb or wherever that's got, reasonably good room treatment as long as you uh, have a decent microphone decent interface and you apply some of these treatments you can do it all in the laptop as well which is pretty cool and what are you using for for that well you can use any kind of uh, audio editing tool edit workstation or digital audio workstation by person use logic pro mm-hmm. for the uh the mixing so uh, there's a few different plugins waves make some awesome ones but you also get some that come with the software. Um, so you might want to write this down uh, in the course notes because yeah, I'm typing. Uh, I can go through yeah, I can go through the kind of chain that I have. So you want to start off with some kind of gate or noise suppressor. Mm-hmm. So you want to get rid of some of that hiss or background sound. Or even if you're using a MacBook, you, you can hear that fan sound. Mm-hmm. Or if there's um, traffic outside or someone speaking outside, a noise suppressor will kind of get rid of a lot of that background sound. Mm-hmm. It also help with the room sound as well. So that's the first thing. Uh, the next thing I recommend is uh, a de So that gets rid of some of the sibilance, the harsh S sounds that you hear a lot of people. Um, you may need to apply it again gain as well to turn it up or turn it down so you have a gain dial. Um, other things you may need is EQ, equalizer. So mm-hmm. if you have like a low rumble in the room, you can scoop that out. If your voice sounds a bit muddy, you can change that around. You can kind of sculpt the sound so it sounds as best as it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really... You need a compressor. So what compressor does is it just turns down some of the louder bits. So if you're talking really loud, it has uh, gain reduction. So it makes the louder bits a little bit quieter. So you can talk as loud as you want. You can talk as much as you want. And the louder bits will be turned down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then after that, you'll need a limiter. So that kind of stops the really loud bits from peaking or distorting or getting too hot. And then you'll need something called a meter. So... Um, Maybe getting a little bit technical here, but a meter kind of tells you how loud the audio is. So really you want LUFS, so the kind of the, the overall loudness level, you want about minus, around about minus 17. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want a kind of set level, so you have a meter, so you, every single recording you do, you can check it against this meter and be like, okay, I'm not too loud, I'm at the right level. So right now I've got my meter open, I can see the exact level I'm at, and I know this is the optimum level. And the other thing is find someone whose audio you think is really cool, really great, and listen to that audio and use it as a reference. So you can compare your audio to theirs and be like, oh, theirs sounds a little bit more trebly. Let's change the EQ. Oh, theirs, their louder bits are, are a bit quieter. Let's adjust my compressor settings. So 
yeah, they're the main things. I run through it again. So you want some kind of a gain to turn up uh, the audio. You want a noise gate. You want a de-esser. You want an EQ, compressor, limiter, meter, and a reference track. So probably a lot of... A, Throwing a lot of information out there. <laughs> it's a lot. And and hey, perfect time to plug our audio production course. And I'm sure you have other ones, but you go through all of this stuff, um, individual lessons on how to do this with Pro Tools First, which is a free app, right, for, yeah. uh, for creators. So people can use that and apply all of these effects. And in our course, which I'll link to, in the show notes, uh, you can learn all of this cool stuff, plus a lot more in terms of just um, microphone choices, audio interfaces, examples, case studies, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I'll, I'll link to that in the co- show notes. Um, awesome. So that's that's happening post-production. Um, I mean, that's pretty... I, that sounds like everything. Is there anything we're missing in making audio sound great for course creators. Export settings, make sure you export the audio as a WAV, so you want uncompressed. Mm -hmm. So don't export it as an MP3, because the MP3 will compress the audio and won't make it sound as good. So try and get, yeah, the highest quality audio signal going in, the highest Mm -hmm. quality going out when you export. Got it, cool. Now, Thomas, I had a quick question. When you're creating your courses, um, what is your production workflow? So do you uh, record your audio and then you go into Logic and you make all these adjustments and then you bring that into the video editing software? Yeah, I've got, I've got two ways of doing it. One is the really nerdy way that I do now. is So I kind of do rerouting inside uh, something called Ableton Live. And so I apply the plugins as I'm speaking in real time. Or I go through um, some hardware. So I speak and it gets recorded into the hardware. Or if I'm feeling lazy, I just record the microphone as it sounds, then export it out of uh, ScreenFlow, that's what I use, into Logic Pro, then Logic Pro back into ScreenFlow. Hmm. Nice. Cool. And when, when you're applying all those plugins uh, that you talked about, does it matter what order those plugins go in, or can you? does it not matter if I do the gain first and then the normalize or vice versa? No, there is a certain way the, the plugins work. For example, if you put the gain after the compressor, you're going to be making it louder after it's been compressed. Okay. So there, there is a certain um, chain, a certain order of the chain that you need to follow. Okay. And that's all explained in your course. You go through all. Yeah. That. Yeah. Awesome. Thomas, yeah, ideally, you want ahead, an sorry. expert to. Uh, ideally, you want an expert to kind of make you a preset. Like all of my friends who who record audio, they're always asking me to make a preset for them. So you just get someone who's really good at audio, just to listen to audio, make a preset. And then you can use that same preset all the time. They don't have to mess around with changing the settings. You just drag in a preset and boom, it's all done. Is yeah. that preset something that is uh, individually based? Like you would have to make me a different preset than Phil? Or is that something that you can just make and distribute to people? No, you need a, a unique one for each person, really. Okay. It depends on uh, cool. where you are in the room, the microphone, the voice, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Cool. And that's going to be different a different f- preset for different apps, right? Uh, yeah, well, the plugins are all pretty much the same. So if you're using okay. Adobe Audition or Logic Pro or Ableton Live or Pro Tools, they kind of have the same. They may look a little bit different, but they basically do the same thing. Like yeah. all, they've all got compressors and EQs and limiters. Yeah. Thomas, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what do you think about giving 10 free coupons to uh, or t- 10 free courses to people who are listening right now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, email help anyone with the audio. Let's do it. Email me at 
onlinecoursemasters at gmail.com. And the first 10 people who email asking for Thomas and my audio production course are going to get a free access to that. Sweet. So we have to unfortunately wrap up, but there was something, I don't know if you covered this, but yet, but you wrote to me in an email, something about a new top secret audio mixing tip. Is that something we could? covered already or is that something else that you need that's to that's the new thing that i'm doing so i'm using a okay, piece of software that. called ableton live okay and ableton live is designed for live performance so when people are singing on stage live you may hear them have auto-tune and stuff like that so as they're singing it's applied live so ableton live allows you to apply these plugins so these effects to the audio and then you can reroute out of ableton live somewhere else so i may lose a few people here but what i do is i record the microphone into Ableton Live, add the effects, and then I go out of Ableton Live into a different audio interface. And this different audio interface has all the effects and plugins already on it. And what interface that is one. that? What, what does that mean? Um, so you have, you have your microphone plugged into the box. That, that's the audio interface. Mm-hmm. And then that goes into Ableton Live. On then the computer. Ableton Live, you add mm-hmm. the, on the computer. Mm-hmm. Then Ableton Live, you add the effects. Then out of Ableton Live, you go into another audio interface which you connect to with ScreenFlow or Camtasia or Skype, as you can hear right now. So that it's a little bit complex, but that's the kind of new way of doing it now. So it can have the exact same plugins without any hardware gears as I speak. So you can't connect to the processed audio right from Ableton Live. It has to go out to the audio interface because Skype and all these other apps, they have to see an actual like input to be able to get that audio, right? You can't just do it like digitally, like straight from Ableton to Skype. Um, you, you can go out of the interface into another input, but Skype only, only Skype and ScreenFlow, um, places like well, not ScreenFlow. Skype only accepts the whole interface. Uh, yeah, maybe got a bit too technical. Okay, but no, yeah, it's so there, 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 there is a way of kind of having processed audio as you speak recorded live is the is the tip that's the i may news. have uh, lost a few people yeah. <laughs> and, and the, the basically the point of that is that you are cutting out a lot of the post-production and yes. because everything is coming in perfectly already uh into exactly. the software cool yeah awesome well thomas that sounds epic and maybe you should put together a youtube video or something explaining how to do that But I think this was a great deep dive into audio production from beginner to advanced that hopefully our listeners enjoyed. Um, Going back, our last question is always, what is your best tip for anyone new to creating online courses? How do they get started? How do they keep going? How do they find success? What's the one thing that you would teach, tell people listening to this podcast who are just getting started out? I would say teach something that you're passionate about and that you're an expert at. Great. Because you need the passion because it takes a lot of time and effort to make a course. And you don't want to lose that passion and just do it for the money because people will be able to tell. Mm -hmm. And you need to be an expert because you're the one teaching it. You need to be the authority figure. So yeah, passion, expert. Perfect. Thomas, thank you so much for being on the show. I love chatting with you and learning more about audio myself. Uh, Jeremy, any last words? No, man, I think this has been great. I, uh, hopefully some people got some good nuggets of information that can help their audio sound better. So thank you, Thomas. We really appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, guys.
We hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, make sure you check out onlinecoursemasters.com for show notes, to enroll in our academy, and to join a free community of fellow course creators who can help you out. Also, if you're brand new to teaching online, check out our free five-day course creation challenge. It's the perfect way to jumpstart your online course business. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your support for the show. Now it's time to get to work. So go make some online courses and help us teach the world.